Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome into Basketball by Association. My name is Arky Shea. I am joined by the legendary Hugh Hopkins. Hugh, hello, sir. Oh, you spoil me. You really do. The, the, the word legendary is not needed. It's appreciated, but it's not needed. Oh, well, then you can appreciate and also know it is a necessity with this program. When Hugh Hopkins comes on, we are talking about one of the members of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. You know that's correct, right? Um, I'd, I'd heard rumors, but uh, I, you know, I won't admit to anything because I think I'm not allowed to. That's a good point. That's my fault. Uh, a legend member of the <laughs> legendary uh, gentleman. Okay, um, this episode is, by the way, number twenty-two. And uh, Hugh, are you okay if we call this the Clyde the Glide episode? Oh. Yeah, definitely. I I had a poster of Clyde the Glide on my wall. I think I might have stolen it from my brother uh, when I was possibly about, I don't know, eight, ten years old, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, big fan of him. I mean, uh, you know, he's sort of become the grumpy old man of, of, of the NBA these days, isn't he? Because he, he doesn't like the fact that he gets overlooked compared to Michael Jordan. But um, I'm sorry, Clyde, it's, it's, it was never going – it was never in the cards, was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had his moments in the sun. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, when Michael wasn't there, but he had his moments <laughs> in the sun. And I think that's allowed to be uh, discussed. Uh, so, this episode, we want to talk about what we finally got back to basketball, right? I heard that. Yeah. Great news. We, we totally got basketball back in the bubble, but that doesn't matter because eh, we got basketball back. Okay. So, we're recording this off the heels of seeing the first two games come on TV uh, Thursday night. Uh, that's New Orleans and Utah who uh, uh, who battled. And, of course, the L- Battle of L.A. in Orlando. 
uh, which was a uh, fantastic uh, battle that happened. But let me ask you this before we get started into those two games and how they looked and how a couple of players in particular I want to ask you about looked. What do you think? You watched it, correct? Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you think? What do you? How do you think the crowdish thing that they're doing right now is coming off when you're trying to watch it? Like that? Does it feel like it's too hokey and too much, or does it feel like it's it's only a little, but it's enough of a little? Personally, I'm going to lean more towards the latter. Like, don't get me wrong; it's a little bit corny, and I'm not convinced that everybody on that sort of back screen is not like just NBA staffers who have been been paid to sort of wave and cheer and that sort of thing. Because It was a lot of Pelicans fans, I noticed. There were a lot of... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see it. You know, it's... It's it's really cool that they the NBA is trying to you know create these ways in which fans can interact and feel like they're part of it because that's the biggest issue, isn't it? W- with them being in this bubble, is that it takes it away from fans entirely. So if the NBA is trying to to break down that barrier, then then I'm all for it. Uh, it's it's working so far. It's not in your face. So you're not getting distracted by idiots in the crowd, which actually is sometimes a bit of a godsend. You know, sometimes <laughs> you see you see a drunken person or someone spill their drink while they're walking in between aisles and you think, oh God, what's happening over there? And then the camera pans to something else and you think, no, wait, I want to find out about the drink. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's good to see, see interaction, definitely. It was, but I'll tell you this, the one thing that is kind of obviously missing, and we saw it affect both games just a little bit, and again, this is just not on the court, so it's not the biggest deal, but both games went down to the wire with a last second shot to try to win the game for both for, for both games, and you obviously don't have the big, like the Pelicans had that chance as the home team last night, and uh, the I think the, who was the home team last night, was it the Lakers last night they were the home no, it was a, it was the, it was the Clippers over the home. I think, team. I think it was the Clippers. I might yeah, be wrong. And, I think it was the Clippers. And they were the home team that had a chance to win it with the, with the, uh, with the shot at the end. And of course, uh, those didn't go in because you guys know the box score already. So there was no like real like roar of the crowd that could have been like the anticipation. But I'll tell you this: both games gave me a lot to watch. It, it, it seemed like all four teams that were there were interested in being there and trying to get better. Yeah, I mean, I have a confession to make. When we're watching over here in the UK, it a lot of the games are quite late at night, and the ones on on opening night or, or the opening night of the restart, they both started quite late over here. So I'm usually watching sometimes in bed or in another room, but keeping it very quiet anyway. So so the crowd isn't as big of a thing for me personally. <laughs> right. Um. I'm I'm not sure how how other people feel. I'm sure it it's it's a bigger thing for you guys in the states, but over here, um. I, I'm not so fussed about crowd noise. Um, however, you can sometimes see it when it is affecting players, you know. And I think there was the inverse of that happening last night. I, I felt there were some plays uh, in the second, maybe third quarters, uh, in both games. To be fair, where you sort of felt like ah, oh, they're just getting up and down the court. Now that can sometimes happen when there's a massive crowd there anyway, because the crowd sort of goes to the toilet or, you know, is late getting back from halftime. So there is a bit of a, there is a usually a bit of a lull in the second and third quarters. They're there for the start and they're there for the end. 
but I I don't think it impacted the gameplay to a detrimental effect um, from well from what I could see and not hear. No, I would agree with you. I don't I don't think it affected at any. And I'm a guy that uh, likes to just in generally watch on mute and listen to a podcast or something uh, while I'm watching the TV because my whole thing is like I don't want the game announcers to. Uh, sort of influence what I think about the game because, you know, we go on a podcast like this and talk about it, so I'd like my thoughts to be my own. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I wanted to hear the crowd what it was going to be like for those games, especially because they were so close. At the end. And seeing LeBron with his put-back shot and being like, oh, yeah, that's – I guess it's quiet-ish. That's what it kind of would yeah. be like, I guess, if they were on the road in their same building. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> But yeah, I th- yeah. I think if they were, I think if they were in the, you know, at an LA Clippers home game, I think actually the crowd would still cheer very loudly for LeBron just <laughs> because of where it is. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like it, it did seem as if the, the, you know, in 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 wrestling parlance, parlance, it, it there wasn't that pop, you know, and uh, yeah. you do you do sometimes appreciate those pops, especially for the big games, you know, the the finals games and the big playoff games. And last night, I think it probably did deserve to be on that level of the the big game because you know it's the first two games coming back from a four month layoff or whatever. So, but and it was a shame not to be able to see that and, or hear that and experience it. Um, and I wonder whether, you know, if the crowd had been a bit more rocking, perhaps you might have seen one of the Clippers box LeBron out when he missed that first shot and then got his own rebound. I mean, yeah. there was five of them around him. Uh, uh, five in the paint and LeBron gets his follow-up. It's just, <laughs> by the way, I looked up, it was technically a Lakers home game, so I was wrong on that. Oh, But, right. but at the end of the game, it does feel like afterwards it's like, all right, job well done, everybody. Let's go back to the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, it's definitely. just, you know, there's – not a reason to sort of just stick around. You know? I, I think I, I think I felt it more at the very end of the the first game, the Pelicans game, because um, uh, Brandon in, Ingram had that had that shot to go ahead. Uh, I don't know why he didn't go to the basket, but you know he wanted to get the go ahead shot and on the pull up three. And I mean, we can talk about the coaching decisions if you want. I, I think they should have been going to the basket because. Th- every single one of these games for the Pelicans, they need to win. So, you know, you need to just guarantee that you get a a close shot to the, to the basket. And if you get fouled, then great. But if not, then you've at least tied it and put the pressure back on the other team, regardless of all that. I I think, uh, you know, there was such a, there was such a, Oh, I missed. And then everybody just walked off on, uh, you know, and at least with, at least at the end of the LA game, there was a, you know, Paul George was shouting at the ref and Kawhi was clearly annoyed at, at how the play went. So there was a bit of animation, but the first game, yeah, just sort of felt like, okay, see you later guys. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like, it's like, Hey, I'm right, moving on. <laughs> so, um, okay. So let's start. Excuse me. If you don't mind, let's go ahead and start with the Utah Jazz and New Orleans Pelicans game. What a really fun basketball game to sort of watch. And I want to start with the beginning of what you mentioned that we know going into this, every game the Pelicans play is a desperation kind of play just to get into the conversation to continue playing when this eight game stretch is over and they led Utah surprisingly um 
before Utah came back and had a also a, a, a 10 point lead on them in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, like they had a significant lead going into the final quarter there and were playing good basketball, but just could not nail it down. And that is a the loss is tough, but the way they lost that game may be the toughest part of it. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, early in the game, the the Jazz sort of got ahead, didn't they? And and uh, yeah, I, I, th- I thought, oh god, this is this is this is going to be the way this goes with the Pelicans. It's a feel good story. Um, you know, we've we've got a chance to see them. We've got a chance to see Zion. But then Zion was taken about out about three and a half minutes into the game, and you sort of thought, oh well, you know, at, at least we got we got to see Zion and we, we got a chance to see the Pelicans again because they were sort of fan favorites right at the start of the season, weren't they? Um, and they, then they came roaring back, and I I don't know whether you watched many of the scrimmages beforehand, but it's, but I watched that Nets one, uh, the one against the Pelicans, and I thought this is incredible. The Pelicans look on fire, but of course the Nets are just the Nets, um, <laughs> and so you know they're not going to be doing any sort of damage. What do they have? Like thirty-five points in the first half of like one of the games, or one of the. Like yeah, it, it was the, it was incredible, net, and it, yeah, just yeah, ugh. yeah. And uh, um, so I was I was very impressed. Um, by the way, the the Pelicans sort of you know they were down in those first few minutes, but they came roaring back, and that was when Zion was on the bench, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, you know they they played really well for the rest of the game until sort of yeah halfway through the the final quarter where it, the wheels just sort of came off. Um. Yeah, I I think there's a there's a couple of reasons to it. Um, we you know we can get into the sort of nitty gritty of the coaching if you want, but it's, oh, it's think a, you 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 definitely have a a background in that that uh, suits us learning something. So I, I'm all ears, brother. So it's a very difficult decision for Alvin Gentry because he is um, he's trying to win games, and to be fair. For a lot of the game, when Zion was on the bench, they were playing better. They were clear when Zion was on the floor. They were clearly trying to to get Zion the ball and just say, "Just go for it, man." Um, you know when he played very efficient offensive basketball. Um, however, he did have a few silly turnovers. Um, he had a few offensive fouls. He had a few silly defensive fouls, and he didn't play great defense. And a couple of rebounds went in odd places. So I can understand why Alvin Gentry sort of thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to sit him because we've been playing better without him. But at the same time, they could not score in that final five minutes. You know, it was every point that the Pelicans got, it just felt like it was just, it, it, they were desperate for it. Yeah. And a big reason is because you had, uh, you, you know, when, when you have Lonzo Ball, uh, as as your main point guard, you do need a scoring big with him. I think because he's not he's he's improved as a shooter and he knows where everybody is on the floor at all times, and he's one of the better passes in the league. But he's not really a go to scorer, so I think you do need a player like Zion alongside him to run that pick and roll, but. There were a couple of times when Derek Favors got past the ball out of a pick and roll, and it just sort of felt like the everything stopped because Favors couldn't do anything. I mean, I think he finished with like two points. Uh, and, uh, let me just check that. Yeah, he just he, he had two points, eight rebounds, and one assist. He played very good defense, but it just 
they desperately needed some offense and Zion probably should have been in the game for the final five minutes. Well, that that's one of the things I found so fascinating, <clears throat> excuse me, about it is that he did Zion contribute offensively throughout that game in the burst that he was in that game. But he didn't have one rebound. <clears throat> and that's just wild for a guy that size to mm-hmm. not have one rebound. He was it was minus sixteen for its plus minus for the game. It's just when you have to have these games, you have to have your best guys on the court in the last quarter in the in the in the nitty gritty minutes when the game is so close. Like I, I don't personally understand, and I, and I know there's some, and I guess you're starting to speak some of it strategically, but you got to have a guy that you can that you know can score. I mean, he was six of eight in just 15 minutes. I mean, that's a guy that's an offensive weapon that you need. I think on the court in a game that close, would you have to have these games? Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I think he should have been on there. Um, I think some of the things that possibly scared Gentry is that if you look at basically he hasn't played this year. You know, he he had how many did it, how many teams how many games did the, all the teams play? It was in the sixties, wasn't it? Yeah, about and, 65, 66. And, I, I think Zion played nineteen of them. And he didn't play any scrimmages. So you've got to think that he, A, isn't um, sort of in tune with the team in terms of their offensive um, strategy, you know, uh, in in some cases. Because the majority of his buckets, they were out of pick and roll and a good pass from from Lonzo, for example, or he was going one-on-one. And I think... you know, it wasn't in the flow of an offensive scheme. They didn't actually play that many offensive schemes when when he was out there. Um, and yeah, I think his effort was lacking because I don't think he's in game shape for all the reasons we just said. He's played 19 games and, you know, bless him. I, I, I hope to God his, his family is okay. He had to leave the, the bubble for a family emergency, I understand. I don't know the details, but, um, you, you know, for that, for various reasons, he's not in game shape. But also, when you go back to the very start of the year, uh, everybody had quite high hopes for them. Not because they were going to come out of the gate really well, but because they were going to develop as they went throughout the year. You know, you had a young team, and uh, and he is a rookie. He's going to be your star player, and it takes time for you for any rookie to sort of get in the rhythm. But you figured by the time the playoffs rolled around, he was going to, you know, get rid of all the all the mistakes and he was not going to be, you know, turning the ball over and he was going to be used to the pace of the game. But he's simply not because he hasn't had the same number of reps as, say, Ja Morant has, you know, who's probably going to come into these playoffs a little bit stronger. No, I mean, I mean, I think that's fair to just sort of discuss. But again, when your season is on the line, unless New Orleans sort of looks at this and Alvin Gentry looks at this and just says, listen, if we can get there to the playoffs, we'll battle in the playoffs. But this kind of guy, I, I don't want to risk putting in this kind of situation, knowing what kind of future we would have tied up to him going forward. You know, maybe they don't yeah. look coming into the bubble as they need to scratch and claw to make the playoffs. It's fine if they get hot and do so, but they're going to look at this long-term investment that they have yeah. in Zion and just sort of play them that way. No, I think that's a good point you're making. Um, you know, these guys, they're not, I, I they're not going to, 
sort of win a championship this year. So why why risk his health? He's already had injury issues. Let's just try and get them used to playing together again. I, personally, I think I, I had a lot of questions at the start of the year about whether Ingram and uh, and Zion could play together. I think they've proven that they can, um, but. You know, so so I think it's worth rolling the dice on both of them being in that squad for next year. Um, but like you said, there's no need to rush any of this. They're not going to be winning a championship this year, and nobody really thought they they would have done. No, and listen, Brandon Ingram played really well yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Twenty three points, um, nearly perfect from the free throw line. In fact, hit a couple of free throws when they were uh, when they were down to just to give them a shot at the end uh, before Utah took the lead, and then New Orleans had one more shot at it. So. Brandon Ingram, really, really, really well done uh, for uh, his uh, first outing here. I think what he had like eight rebounds, eight or nine rebounds. I can go back and look at it. Uh, but, um, you know, r- really good outing for him. And it just sort of looks like if you're Alva Gentry, this is almost like a bunch of extra practices for guys that you'll have, some guys that you'll have for next year, because next year we'll start really soon after this year's over anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the one thing that I will say is if they don't make the playoffs, I feel bad for J.J. Redick because that yeah. has not missed the playoffs in his entire career. And I think he sort of had high hopes for this team getting there this year. I think they just ran out of they ran out of road. Yeah, they, they, right. The road was taken from them. COVID took the road <laughs> yeah. away that they may have been able to have to sort of make a little bit of a run there. Uh, the nightcap of that ga- of that uh, evening was the Lakers and Clippers, that, as we mentioned. Uh, oh, by the way, um, both games hit the under uh, cash money for me. Uh, uh, nice but <laughs> that's right. Um, uh, the the Lakers Clippers game did not disappoint you. That game was fun and close throughout the majority of it. I mean, you know, you had your lulls and you had your for for, for either team. I think the Clippers ended up getting up to like nine or 10, maybe 11 point lead at one point. And it's a team that doesn't have like Montrezl Harrell on their team and stuff. So you're looking at that thinking, Oh, if they hold on to this, man, maybe they are. But the, but the Lakers after losing that lead, they go to Braun and the unclutched LeBron goes to near the free throw line to pull up for two shorts. It comes back, gets his own rebound, puts it back up with five clippers in the paint they could have rebounded that um and the lakers hold on the lakers uh hold on win that which essentially Hugh gets them first place no matter what now in the uh in the west going forward because it would take a ton for them to lose that now yeah i think like the they deserve it. They've been the most consistent team all year. I still don't think they are the best team. I actually think the Clippers are the best team in game, you know, a series of seven games. I, I think they're pop- probably going to have the edge simply because of their depth. Well, I would um, want that for seven games. Absolutely. I don't know who comes oh, out God, of it, but, yeah. but if I get that for seven games, who doggy? I mean, yeah, I'm praying for it in the Western Conference Finals. I think that's that's where we're headed at the moment. I mean, it's obviously very early to say, but they've got both te- both these teams. They've got the talent. They've got championship winners um, on both sides. They've got stone cold killers on both sides. I think, and what I enjoyed about last night is is all the 
the important people turned up to play. I mean, LeBron only had 16 points, but honestly, it doesn't matter how many points LeBron scores. He can still dominate the game as he did uh, with that final you know, put back, but also with the final defensive possessions on Kawhi and then Paul George. Um, But you also had like Anthony Davis going off. He did. Um, And then on the opposite side, you had the top two scorers was Leonard and Paul George. So it really felt like it was, okay, the big points have come to play. You know, it felt like a, a proper game. It, it did. Kyle Kuzma played really well uh, in the game off the bench uh, for the Lakers. Um, Excuse me one more time. Sorry. Uh, Anthony Davis, 34 points, 16 from free throws, man. Uh, That dude was awesome uh, in that game. Uh, Kawhi, as you mentioned, he goes for 28. uh, Paul George for 30. I wanted to ask you something to the effect of, should the Clippers be concerned that they get 58 from Kawhi and Paul and they end up losing to the Lakers? But they lost by two and they had the last shot. They could have won that game. I mean, that was just a good heavyweight fight. It, it was great. And remember, uh, they only lost by two, but they were down Lou Williams. They were down yeah. Montreal Harrell. You know, those are two prime scorers uh, that, you know, hopefully we're going to see back. Well, obviously, Lou Williams has got a definite uh, return <laughs> point um, for reasons maybe we shouldn't go into. But Montrez, hopefully he'll be back soon. I think... That and that's why I think they're possibly going to have the edge in a seven-game series because they do have the depth. You know, they were they were with the Lakers punch for punch throughout this entire game, and uh, you know, a, a screwy play at the end where I don't think anybody on the Clippers really knew what the what the offensive option was. Um, that's and then, a good point. yeah, it it just that, sort that, of, you know everyone talks about or it's a lot of people are coming out of that talking about how good of defense LeBron played and he did play pretty good defense but that last offensive set looked kind of all over the place yeah it really did they sort of had I sorry I haven't got it in my head uh in, in front of me now but in my in my memory I think it's Paul George coming off the screen but it's mainly an isolation play for Kawhi LeBron did very well but you know and then it was sort of yeah it's I don't know. It, I'm so I was surprised that there was such lack of plan. You know, it was sort of like, okay, Kawhi, you go one on one, but we'll have Paul George there as a secondary option. But yeah, it was it was just a mess. I, I think it probably needs a, a little bit more planning. And honestly, I probably expect a bit more from Doc Rivers. But uh, you know, it, it is the first game back, proper game back. So it's the first real situation that any of these teams have had in so many months now and in in that type of situation i'm sorry you've always got to back lebron <laughs> yeah until proven otherwise yeah. uh, lebron's probably the guy you want to trust in that kind of situation by the way that office is uh, set by uh the clippers was coming off a timeout so they had time yeah uh, to sort of come up with something and that's what ended up being there i wanted to before we because i also want to talk about how the WNBA has opened up as well uh because we are basketball by association that includes all of it um what did you think of how these two teams in particular played so hard against each other because we all we sort of worried about wondered uh going into this would the Lakers be that hardcore into it, knowing that it was going to take a lot to them lose to number one? Were the Clippers going to care that much that they could? It would take a lot for them to get the number one. 
And then we saw both of these two teams act like they really, really wanted to be there and win a big basketball game. Part of it could be it was national TV and it was the night game, uh, the uh, essentially the, uh, the 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 main event of the opening restart game for uh, TNT. Uh, but part of it could be just two teams that know they're probably going to see each other again and they want to just one up on each other. Uh, and I don't think, uh, yeah, those are all great points, but it's it's not just that. I mean, these are the teams that are going to be competing for a championship, and these are the teams that are the most serious. They have the the professionals in the room. They, uh, we are going to see some terrible sort of I can't be asked to be here type of games, but I don't think it's going to be from the likes of the Clippers or the Lakers or or the Bucks or the Toronto Raptors. It's going to be from you know, Washington Wizards, Nets, Magic, Suns, you know, I, you know, the Spurs are always going to turn up and they're always going to be professional, but you know, they're, it's the teams that they're not really sure of the path to get into the playoffs. And when they get to the playoffs, they're not really sure why they're there anyway. Those are the ones that I think are just going to stink up the joint. So uh, we're, you know, we're talking, I think there's going to be a tip off in the next few minutes as we're talking at the moment. And I think Orlando and Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. I I think some of the uh, games that they put early on the slate today um, and some of the, some of the games between the bottom seeds uh, as we go in the next eight games, those are the ones that are going to be a bit more difficult to watch. Uh, Yeah, probably. So that may be why that one's playing at uh, 2.30 Eastern time uh, as as opposed to, you know, 9.30 9.30 Eastern time, the primetime game. Well, I'm, I must I must thank the NBA for giving <laughs> some UK-friendly tip-off times. Uh, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. For, for you, this is a, a pleasant uh, – your your primetime is going to be Orlando-Brooklyn. <laughs> so. <Yeah>, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and well, sorry about that. <laughs> um, okay, so let's spend a few minutes before we get out of here on the uh, WNBA uh, as their bubble is obviously underway uh, as well. And uh, there has been a, a few interesting notes that have come out of here. Uh, one of those is Sabrina Inescu, who um, has had a very, I would say in her first, what she's had two games so far, mm-hmm. um, she's had a very up and down, but pretty good overall start to her WNBA career. Her team is terrible. Um but, but she it's a, has... it's a new it's a New York team. Okay. What would you expect? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That's that's rude. That's rude. Uh, uh I didn't bring up the Knicks, that's all. Um uh, but the the New York Liberty aren't a very good team at all. Uh but Sabrina Nascu has been playing as well as she can. I think her first game she missed like like I don't know like 14 shots or something. But she had a bunch of assists. Her second game, she scores 33, and they still lose. So um, what do you think of Sabrina and Eskew's first couple of offerings in the WNBA and in the bubble? Honestly, you said they were sort of up and down. I, I actually think they're, they're pretty damn good. Um, Sabrina and Eskew had the weight of, of basketball on her shoulders, um, and – it's very difficult to live up to those standards. But not only that, her first game was against probably one of the best defensive teams in the past five years in the WNBA. The The Seattle Storm are just in, incredible on that end of the floor. And you had 
a motivated Sue Bird coming back from injury for not playing last year and a motivated Brianna Stewart coming back from injury not playing last year. I didn't think it was going to be an easy outing and it wasn't. They they put pressure on her right from the get-go. There were there were doubles, there were switches and heavy hedges. And they were uh, physical with her. I mean, it was, it was a tough game for her, yeah. It was, but... You know what? She still managed to to get. I think off the top of my head, I think it was around fourteen six and four, something around that. I might be wrong on a couple of those. She but, with, tw- uh, with twelve six and four, yeah, 12, yeah, four. Um, and that's a that's a pretty good outing. Uh, but zero for eight from three. That's the only reason I bring it up, yeah. up and down. Yeah, so she was four of yeah. seventeen overall. I mean, yeah, it's it's. I think she did f- face a lot of pressure, but you know what? Sometimes the shots just don't go in. Uh, I don't think any of them were bad shots, and she more than made up for them and show, she showed she could hit those same type of shots uh, the next time she was out against, I think it was the Dallas Wings, um, where, you know, she played incredibly well, and it was a completely different type of game because I don't think her opposition were as organized or as prepared, um, and they sort of, you know, played her a bit more one-on-one. They did throw some doubles at her, but you could tell it was a different caliber of team, and she was able to just do whatever the hell she wanted. Yeah, she goes for 33-7 and 7 against uh, the Dallas Wings. Uh, 6 of 10 from 3, which is obviously different in play, basically the same amount of minutes. Uh, The difference is you know, um, the team being a little different um, and defensively Dallas, not quite as, um, as strong for her, for her second matchup. Cause they scored 80 in that matchup and still lost by 13. That's a bad, yeah. team. sorry. That's just yeah. a bad team. <laughs> I mean, I, when I came into the season, I thought, I actually think they're going to be not necessarily in the playoffs, but not, they're not going to be an embarrassment and it's still early in the season. I think that first game, I mean, they've got seven rookies, you know, there's going to be some nerves playing your first professional game. Also, it was a week ahead of the NBA, so all the eyes were on the WNBA in That's terms true. of professional basketball. I they, watched. They, they, it was the first game to tip off the entire season. Um, I mean, I, I spoke to the, the GM, Jonathan Kolb, and I asked him about how he's going to help, how he's going to try and manage the nerves of those players. And he did quite rightly say, you know what, Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart and all of the players, this is their first game of the season, so there's going to be nerves everywhere. But I think there is a bit of a different type of nerves uh, when you've been playing in the league for five and, and 16 years or however how long Sue Bird has been playing compared to someone who was, let's be honest, they were, they were sitting some exams about, you know, two months ago trying to, trying to pass their college career, you know, there's a bit of a difference in terms of the the types of nerves that they're gonna they're gonna be feeling. No, that that, that is a good point. Uh, again, they're, like they're just two games into their their seasons and their careers uh, for like more than half the team. So you know, it's a whole different animal when you come They'll against get these. There. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, eventually, eventually. Uh, Sabrina already seems like she's there, so that's that's fine. <laughs> she seems like she she belongs. She's one of those. Um, generational type talents. It looks like she's transitioning Definitely. really, really well to the to the pro game. Uh, anything else that's been standing out from you uh, from what you've seen in the WNBA that you want to mention before we go? I mean, we simply have to mention the Washington Mystics. Oh um, yeah, because they are, as we're speaking, they're undefeated, um, and they've gone up against um, the teams that were in the finals the past two years. Um, they are 
I don't know how they're doing it. Mike Tebow is a genius um, because they are without Elena Deladon. Um, they're without Latoya Sanders. Uh, they are without Natasha Cloud. And um, bear in mind that was three fifths of their starting lineup from the championship they won last year. And on top of that, they were supposed to be bringing in Tina Charles, who is one of the all-time great scorers in the WNBA. And she's out this season as well. So you are essentially down four players who who would be your reliable players. But they have, you know, Mike Tebow has built the team. They, they were one of the deepest teams last year. So I guess it just goes to show that if you build depth, it will pay off in the long run because you're missing your top four players and you've got a slew of of players to to back them up. I mean, Emma Mieserman, who is probably my favorite player in the WNBA, uh, she is just this silent killer um, on the court. She doesn't say much or she isn't very emotive. She sort of has a... I don't always like to compare WNBA to NBA because, you know, they, they have their own comparisons, but she's sort of like a Tim Duncan type of player um, where she'll just go about her business and not not get rowdy with it. Um, and it, you've got a, a couple of other players who have just really stepped up in in their absence uh, aerial powers being one of them and it's it's incredible to see the uh, good coaching and good team construction will pay off in the long run no completely and like they, i mean two of the three games they killed their opponents they just yeah. just you know i mean like uh, like Dwight Schrute in the office says, they muck ducked them. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just like uh, they beat the Fever by like nearly thirty. Like it was just like whoa. Yeah, that was whoa. kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair at all. Uh, and then they beat the Storm. Uh, I don't know, but it was, was eighty nine seventy one. That's what it was. I just looked it up. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, they got the Sky tonight. They're on the road at the Sky. Technically, <laughs> which yeah, uh, we shall see. But Washington looks like they're ready to just uh, blow some people away. So. Yeah, it's, it's surprising, but it's it's a pleasure to see. No, it it, it is that. But uh, we'll keep paying attention because uh, they've definitely when you when you basically average what is it that like ninety five a game. <laughs> You do. I'm okay. interested. I'm interested. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, that's not a number we see averaged a lot in the WNBA. So, <laughs> all right, uh, Hugh, that, uh, that's going to do it for us. We've got a ton of basketball to watch over this next week and sort of get some uh, bearings about us on who's going to be good and or bad. My guess, Brooklyn bad. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll uh, pay attention to that. Uh, Hugh, thank you for the time, man. We'll look forward to doing this again, brother. Uh, my pleasure. Always good to speak to you, Aki. All right, and that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week on another edition of Basketball by Association. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.